You're listening to Moms Out Loud. You're tired? Tell me how you're tired. <laughs> what am Maybe I we should fill right? people in. Look at this baby. Do a spit. Do a spit. I feel weird. Let me offer. It's fine. It's fine. Welcome. This is Alexa. Hey, this is Rachel. And, uh... <laughs> Maybe you introduce it. <laughs> I was like, you wanted to do the intro. I'm letting you do the intro. I know. <laughs> and you're listening to Moms Out Loud, which you already heard me say four seconds ago in the intro. Yeah. Um, but we are so glad you're here. It is a lovely Wednesday morning. It's called to snow here in Fredericksburg, Virginia. Oh, no. And I haven't seen a bit of snow. And every time I check the weather, it's like, yep, it's snowing right now. And I'm like, but it's actually not, Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I love it when it does that. And it's so weird because it even says, snowing now for 22 more minutes, and then it will stop for however long. Then it will start again. And I'm like, there's literally no snow. Yeah. <laughs> <sighs> we were hoping yeah. that it would snow and that Quantico would go code red because then Luke could stay home and have a snow day with us. But they're code yellow, which means nothing. You still have to go in. And also, there's no snow. So, yeah. <laughs> anyways. Oh, man. Just waiting for that snow. Yeah, yeah, sometimes on the East Coast, I really felt like my weather app never really, really worked. Like, they would say that it was raining. And I would be like, it's not, though. And I'm like, someone is sleeping because <laughs> someone is sleeping on their job. <laughs> not paying attention. And then in California, you're just like, hmm, is it going to be lovely? Yep. Yeah. Doesn't matter. Don't <laughs> yeah. need to check the weather ever. <laughs> Usually it's like the weather. It's like it will start raining and then it will upload. Like now it's raining because you just it's sunny all the time. <laughs> Here, I can tell you what, what the weather is and what you should wear every day when you live in California. If the sun is not high in the sky yet, yeah. you might want to have a long sleeve shirt on over a tank top with some sweater. shorts and some sandals, maybe a little sweater, right? But you want to make sure you have something on underneath of it because when the sun comes out and it's ridiculously beautiful, you'll want to take off that sweater and be in shorts and a t-shirt. Don't even bother wearing closed-toed shoes. We don't wear those in California. Rainbows, Birkenstocks, or nothing, okay? I know. I went outside in my slippers the other day to, well, to water. I was watering. And then I was like, man, my feet are getting sweaty. (laughs) 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 Anyway. I'm just making fun of, I'm I'm picking fun, but I two once lived in California so I'm allowed I feel like that makes me allowed to we moved out there when I was one years old we my family my mom my dad when they were still married (laughs) and uh I lived there until I was three years old so (laughs) I just missed the cutoff of actually being born in California and I also remember absolutely nothing and we yeah. lived in 29 Palms, so probably well, the least cool yeah. place to live in California. And uh, there's a lot of pictures of me with tumbleweeds and, like, roadrunners. So. Well, yeah, and you lived in the hot part. I mean, we get a little bit of variation here, but we're also still in ca- Southern California, so maybe we should clarify because Northern California is getting cold right now. Oh, so. I didn't even think about that because when I think of California, I'm like, Encinitas. Right. 
Right. Only you kind of think like the beach and yeah, yeah Southern California. Or if I'm rich in this fantasy, then it's Coronado Island. That's yeah. where I live. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways. Anyways. Oh, man. This episode is going to be predominantly Alexa sharing a story um, because she shared this a couple months back, well, a while now, but she shared this story on Instagram in her stories. I'd never heard the full story before, um, but it's wonderful and sad and intense and just like a, a perfect depiction of God's power and grace and it made me cry, <laughs> but it also made me just feel like I had such a better understanding of Alexa and things she's been through and her family, what they've been through. I asked if she would be willing to share this story on the podcast, and she is, so um, we're going to let her do that. And thanks for being willing to share, Alexa. Yeah. Yeah, and I didn't outline at all. I kind of just figured it would come to me. So yep. hopefully, I feel like that would be good. good. Yeah. <laughs> Okay, so yeah, so um, we were talking about sharing Angela's story, and um, I guess I guess where we start with Angela is that I named her after, um, well, like when we found out we were having a girl, because with Eric and Angela, we both found out before they were born. So when we found out we were having a girl, I was like, okay, well, I'm going to name her after my mom who had passed away when I was 10. And, uh, and I thought that that would be perfect. So her first name's Angela and, um, I named her after my stepmom, um, her middle name, Jean. So it's Angela Jean. And I had my first home birth with Angela and, um, the birth went well I mean, pretty well. She kind of like paused in the middle. She came out kind of like with her hand up. It was really painful. Yikes. <laughs> and we thought everything. Yeah, I know. It was awful. She wasn't breathing perfect right at the very beginning. But my midwife, um, I really loved my midwife. She was like super calm. She didn't make anything seem like an emergency. She just kind of cleared her with her like the little like bulb, um, syringe. Ma- yeah, bulb syringe and like mask thingy. Gotcha. And then after that, it was fine. She was eating, um, seemed to be breathing fine. And we kind of went on with our normal life. She was gaining weight. Um, and then our midwife said, like, did all her little checks and um, said, okay, I'll see you in, like, I'll come back to make sure that the umbilical cord is all good. And then in, in uh, two weeks, you'll come into my office and I'll do, like, a little pediatric check and we'll be good. And I said, okay. So, and everything was fine. Everything was good. I have so many pictures of Angela on those early days, her playing with Eric or like looking at Eric while Eric kind of like talks to her and all that. Her lifting her head up and all that. So we kind of thought we were just like so excited for Angela to be here. And we went to our two week pediatric appointment in the office and everything was good. She was gaining weight. This was like we were like, everything's so easy this time around. We did. We weren't in the hospital. This was great. And then I was walking down the hall and another midwife who had worked, well, her mom had worked in a heart hospital. And so she was kind of familiar looking at kids with um, congenital heart disease. 
she passed me just randomly in the hall and she was like, Hey, how are you doing? And Oh, can I take a look at Angela? And of course I just thought that, Oh, she just wanted to hold Angela. Of course. You know, this was another midwife that I looked up to. She was actually the head of my, my lactation team. So, um, because I was a lactation counselor at this wellness center and, um, she held Angela and then she was like, you know, I don't want you to get all, you know, worried or anything like that, but I think you should take her to the pediatrician because it looks like she's having a hard time breathing. She, her color kind of seems a little off. And that was the first time I had heard anything like that because Lael's a little bit of an olive skin type person. And so we kind of just thought that she got like the olive skin gene from his family. And we didn't really think she looked too dark, but you know, whatever. But she's like, yeah, it kind of looks like she's, you know, not breathing like super well in her Maybe she's a little, like, bluish kind of thing. Not not olive, but bluish. So, of course, my mom, my mom heart just kind of, like, sank. I was like, oh, no, is there something wrong? Like, how did we miss something wrong when I've been, like, when the other midwife didn't say a thing, you know, like, didn't notice a thing? Yeah. So, I made an appointment for the very next day. I mean, that was the earliest appointment they had. And I didn't think it was, like, a super big emergency because I was like, well... She's fine. She's gaining weight. I mean, if anything major was happening, she wouldn't be gaining weight and like her eyes wouldn't be open. Like she wouldn't be awake, you know? So we went to the pediatrician the next day and I explained everything to them. She ate while we were in the, like she nursed while we were in the pediatric office but they couldn't get an oxygen saturation reading on her. And that's the first time that I found out that my midwife office was not doing oxygen saturation reading because I'm a mom. I'm not like a medical professional. I have no idea like what they're checking and what they're not checking. And an oxygen saturation reader is so cheap. Like I didn't really think that they weren't checking everything. And so they couldn't get an oxygen saturation reading. Basically, The best one that they could get was like 48%, which our oxygen saturation is supposed to be at 100. So they were like, this can't be right. She can't be sitting at 48% or she wouldn't be awake. She wouldn't be gaining weight. She wouldn't be eating. She wouldn't be crying. Like they saw her interacting. Yeah. So we went actually to the, we walked over to the hospital part of, we were on base. So we walked over to the hospital part and to get like a pediatric like NICU reader kind of thing. And that reader was reading 54% oxygen saturation. And everyone standing there was like, now that can't be 54%. There's no way. Like she's a month old now. Or no, she wasn't a month old. She was, yeah, at that point she was a month old. So what am I thinking? See, now I'm like behind. So it wasn't the two week check. I had come into the office at a month just for another checkup. Yeah. Oh yeah. So she had been a month at that point. So they're like, there's no way that she's sitting at 54%. She's a month. So, um, so sorry guys, you got that. I I was thinking it was two weeks. It it wasn't. Well, I'm sure they did your (laughs) visits, your postpartum visits in home, right? Yeah. Yeah. So that's what I'm remembering. It's like, I think she did come twice. She came once for the, um, it's been a while. She's been, she, she came once for the umbilical cord check. And then like I think days, she did. Yeah. yeah. And then she did come back for the, the other check for the weight. 
and then yeah and then I did go into the office at a month yeah that seems more accurate because I always had in-home care until like roughly six weeks but since you worked at the office I wonder if they did it a little bit differently with you I'm not sure yeah yeah probably like they were just like oh when do you want to come in so yeah yeah so now that those details so and I had always planned on going to the pediatrician at some point. Like, I'm not, like, completely against pediatric appointments. I just thought she was she was good, you know, because yeah. I was getting checked. I really thought that she was getting checked for everything, you know. That's something that, um, like, I look back and, like, I make sure that I know a little bit more going into appointments <laughs> because they made it – they made me feel super confident that they have been checking everything at the wellness center – but I mean, with that said, you can't go back. Hindsight is twenty twenty, and then also for the pediat for the pediatrician office to also react the way that they did. So we got the reading at the in the hospital, like by the NICU readers, and there and everyone was like, "There's no way." So we end up walking back to the pediatrician's office, and she said, "Listen, I don't think that there's anything going on." Okay. <laughs> So, um, but since we couldn't get a good reading on her, I'd feel comfortable if I sent you to the heart hospital here in town to get an echo done. And she said, just for peace of mind. And I'm like, yeah, I'll, I like that. I like that idea. Just for peace of mind. I want to get an echo done because if we think that this is anything has to do with the heart, let's, let's figure this out. Sorry for sure. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, they sent me home. This was not like a, this is an emergency. (laughs) We're going into the ambulance right now. We went home. They made an appointment for us later that afternoon. We went to the heart hospital that afternoon. I think it was around three or four. Well, we got there. They started doing their checks. And so they started doing the echo. Well, they did the checks. Then they did the echo. And the lady that was doing the echo, the doctor, yeah, she wasn't saying anything, which is kind of, it just makes you nervous I'm yeah sure. it makes you just so nervous when no one says anything well then Lael walked out with Eric because Eric was making a ruckus so he walked out of the room with Eric and at that very moment she was done with the echo which okay. was like such bad timing and she said so you didn't come here in an ambulance and I oh, was like no yeah that's what she said to me and I was like no um the pediatrician didn't think that there was anything majorly wrong so we're here just for, like, to make sure nothing's wrong. And then she said, well, um, I'm surprised that you even made it here because there's a lot wrong. And um, your daughter's going to need emergency surgery right now. And so I'm going to get everything set up so that you guys can move to the um, to the hospital ward. for the- And then you punched her in the face yeah, because yeah. she doesn't have any bedside. That's, that's what she did. And then Lael walks in. She walks out. Lael walks back in, and he's like, what's up? And I was like, uh, like, I don't, like, I don't even know what to say, you know? It was, like, so heartbreaking to have a doctor do that to me. Yeah, I would have been sobbing if I were you. Yeah, cause she so. and she kind of talked to me a little bit like I was neglectful, when yeah. in reality I had been getting her checked. I had gone to the pediatrician. The pediatrician hadn't even put me in an ambulance. Like, yeah, it wasn't like I was um, not going to a doctor, you know. <laughs> so anyway, 
Needless to say, I never saw that woman ever again. I changed Good. care, and they asked me, oh, are you sure she's one of the best in the practice? And I said, no, I will never talk to that woman ever again. Good. That's that. I didn't care if I hurt her feelings because she, like, once they get my case, whoever sees me first, I'm their patient. So I was technically her patient, and she was tracking me in the hospital for the first couple weeks, like yeah. paperwork-wise. And I, like, after that, I was like, no, absolutely not. So basically, she had been doing work for us, but I was not going to ever see her again. So, and I don't care if I hurt her feelings, because that's horrible. It, that was horrible. Well, she so, hurt your feelings. Yeah. My <laughs> yeah. word. That's a terrible way to tell so, a mother bad news about their freaking baby. I know. So the the... The cardiologist we chose um, after being in the hospital, I mean, I'm fast forwarding, but we were in the hospital for a long time um, and we were able to choose the cardiologist we felt had the best bedside manner, who was the smartest, who we thought was the best for her. We're still in contact with him today. He texts me and he just checks up on us and I love him. I'm so glad that we like we had the intuition to pick him. But anyway, so... We were transferred over to the hospital, and basically right away, they were like, we need to hook her up to oxygen because she is satting at 54%, around 50% for oxygen saturation. Um, like, that's not a misread. That's what she's reading at. And we're wow. actually so surprised that she's she <laughs> is alive. Yeah, yeah, that even that she's lived this long um, at 54% and that she's gaining weight, like, that, that doesn't happen. I was just kind of stunned at that point. And then they got, I was like, well, are you sure? Like, I, I just couldn't, I couldn't wrap my head around it. So they got the social worker in. They, well, the doctors were really nice. They were like, well, we'll give you a few minutes to think about this. But this is something that we're going to have to do because she's going to need surgery tomorrow. Like, wow. you, yeah. like, so you need, we'll give you a few minutes. But, like, this is happening. And then they sent the social worker in just to kind of give me like a mental pep talk, I guess. Yeah. And the minute that happened, um, I think I just, I, well, I don't know. I can't explain it. There's lots of things that happen. Like, you know, when, when my mom died and we're at the hospital and it's like, they send in the social worker, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. And so when they sent in the social worker, I was like, nope. Like, I'm not doing this. I'm not talking to her. Like, I was really rude to her. <laughs> yeah. um, but at the same time, I'm like, no, I don't I want, I don't want to talk about my feelings right now. I don't want to talk to you. You're a complete stranger to me. Yeah. And I'll make my own decisions. And so once the doctor came back in, I was like, okay, well, obviously do what you have to do. I'm just kind of, like, in shock. Like, both Lael and I were just like, oh, my gosh. Yeah. Um, so they hooked her up to oxygen and the minute they hooked her up to oxygen, I kid you not, her skin turned white. So basically for a month, she had been riding on such low oxygen that she looked like a dark olive skin baby. Like I have these newborn pictures and she's like this gorgeous little olive skin baby. And we just thought that that's how she was. And then the minute she was hooked up to oxygen, it's so weird that, like, her body was getting better oxygen flow and her skin was white. She was, like, this pale little baby. And so that's when I think my brain just was like, oh, like, obviously her body's not doing its job, you know? 
Um, they came in and did another echo just to kind of see what they were going to be doing within surgery. And uh, they were like, we don't know if she's going to survive the surgery because there's so much, there's so much wrong. We don't even know like what we're going to be correcting once we're in there. But I guess the, the first things that they said that they were going to correct was her arch. Her arch was not connected. So both pieces of her heart were not connected together. So only one, one half of her heart was actually working. The other half was not working because it was not really connected to anything. It's horrifying. And they said, and then the next thing that we're going to work on, I guess, is that her lungs, like only one lung was working. So her heart was only connected to one part of her lung. And then, it, yeah, it that was like the main things that they were like. And then we think that there might be a hole or a couple holes that we're going to have to be closing as well. So I, I had like a... The, I have a quick question before, and you don't have to leave this in, but did you get ultrasounds when you were pregnant with Angela? I did. Wow. I did get ultrasounds. So the last ultrasound I got before I just left all my care, because I went to my care for half of my pregnancy at the base just so that I could get free ultrasounds. Oh, it's like what I did with Roland. Okay. Yeah. And then the last half, after my 20-week ultrasound... I did the last half with my midwife. Got it. Okay. And so, yeah, she was measuring small in the ultrasound, um, but Eric also measured small. So we kind of just assumed that I was having a small baby. Yeah. And, of course, the hospital is going to say, oh, well, we'd like to do ultrasounds every, like, month with you. Of course they're going to say that because they did that with Eric. They wanted ultrasounds all the time with Eric. And so this pregnancy, I was like, no. This ultrasound's good. Is everything good? Does she have her heart? Is everything working well? And they said, yeah. yes, it looks like everything's working well. Well, and then we found out that our the base hospital was the only one that wouldn't accept heart training from the heart hospital. The oh only one. Word. They wouldn't accept the training. Like, they had contacted them. Um, like, the heart hospital itself had been training and contacting all the hospitals in the area so that when they did all ultrasounds, they would know what to be looking for for congenital heart disease and um the base hospital of course wasn't like was not interested in that so i was getting my ultrasounds by people that weren't properly trained yeah that makes me so So, because if i had gone anywhere else they probably would have caught it i mean you would assume that they would have caught it because there was so much going on we actually don't know how they missed it like there's no way that you could have missed at least one of these things should have popped up so yeah okay Sorry, go ahead. I was just curious (laughs) about that because I was like, how in the heck? Because, yeah, I only ever get one ultrasound with my pregnancies, but I do the 20-week, like around the 20-week one whenever I can get in. But I I went out in town with Forrest because our um, military hospital doesn't offer any type of services for that, like that. Yeah, yeah. So. Wow. Okay. Continue. So sorry. Anyway, yeah. So basically they just told me. We don't know how she lived this long. We don't know how she even, like, she lived in the womb. We don't know how it was missed. We don't know, like, we don't know any of this stuff. And she, But she's probably not going to survive this surgery, is what they told wow. us. Because there's so much to do. She's so small. And it's been a month, like, which actually, they, they like, they kind of made it sound like her being a month was a bad thing. 
But at the same time, some of the doctors had said, you know what, it might have been good that she was a month because, and she had been growing and, um, she had a bond with us and all that stuff. They're like, maybe that will actually be a benefit for her that she's a little bigger than she was like coming out of the womb. I mean, I don't know. You can't really and then say her body could handle more because it's bigger, right? I mean, I feel sure, like that makes sense But to me. at the same time, if she had been working on one heart, one side of her heart and one lung for so long, she could oh, she be could tired once ever, she's in like, surgery. Damage. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so much damage. Um so and then they didn't know if she would have brain issues because of the lack of, lack of oxygen for so long. They didn't yeah. know if she had like some sort of other thing going on. Um so they obviously like if she had like, they wanted to do genetic testing with us as well. So, whatever. All that to say, we are like, okay, we don't know if our daughter's going to make it. And then Lael, the extreme optimist, whenever we're in situations like this, he's always the optimist. I'm the pe- the pessimist. I don't say that I'm the pessimist. I'm just the realist. The realist. Yeah. I, I'm yeah. expecting the worst. I'm like, I'm going to expect the worst. So, when the worst doesn't happen, it's f- good, <laughs> you know? <laughs> I do the same thing. Um, yeah. So, but Lael's like, well, why would God have her live for a month and then take her? Like, she's going to be fine. Like, God's going to save her. And I was just like, okay, Lael. <laughs> like, that yeah, makes me okay. cry. No, so, I think that's beautiful. I think so. Well, I mean, there has to be one of us in the relationship where we would, we would have just fallen apart, right? Yeah, yeah. She went into surgery the next day. And basically, the surgery lasted so, so long. Um, I want to say it was like eight hours. Wow. She was in there. And every once in a while, we would get a call. Like, everything's everything's going good. Finally, she was out of surgery. She was hooked up to so many machines. Like, the pictures we have of her, it's just like so, so many machines. And um, it's just kind of, it's just heartbreaking seeing her like that. It's very intense because I remember like photos of her as a newborn and Angela has these very distinct, like big, beautiful eyes, even yeah. when she was first born. <laughs> yeah. So cute. And then just seeing her tiny body, just, you yeah, know, it's, in- it's insane. It's insane. Yeah. So she survived surgery. They were just like amazed that she survived surgery. I don't think anyone, anyone thought that she would. And, um, every day they would check on her and there was students around too. And I would hear the doctors talking to the students, like of all her issues. And the students would be like, what? <laughs> like, no. no one had seen, no one had seen these issues all in one child. And, um, they were like, what, like how, like no one knows how, like every single day. And she would start getting better. She started getting better. And they were like, we don't know if she has brain damage. Like, basically, we were being prepared. Every single day, we were being prepared for the worst. Like, even if she survives, she'll probably need breathing tubes. Even if she survives, she might have, like, brain damage from lack of of oxygen oxygen for so long. Um, Even if she survives, she might have, you know, whatever. We were kind of expecting if she survived, she would be a vegetable, you know. And then when she wasn't a vegetable... Then they were like, well, she might not be perfect. You know, like she might just not be like a whole child. Um, We were always expecting something, but then she just kept getting better and better. We were there for two months and every day she would just get better. There was one point when she was coming off of the, um, they wanted to take her off and now I'm blanking on what the machine was. 
but to keep her breathing, they wanted to put her onto like a different oxygen machine, something that was a little less rigorous. Yeah. To see if she could breathe better on her own kind of thing. And when they were taking her off that, she completely crashed. So um, we thought, you know, she was going to die then. That's so scary. But then they were able to put her back on that machine. I remember just praying. I just remember praying like, I know, like, and maybe Lael got to me, but I was like, I know that there's a reason God kept her alive, you know? And so I, I believed in some part of me, I believe that there was going to be a miracle because he kept doing miracles, you know? And so there was a part of me that just knew she was going to make it. And that's why I didn't like completely fall apart because I was like, I knew she was going to make it for whatever reason. I just felt like this peace. And so, yeah, she just kept getting better and the doctors were just amazed and we would be reading our Bibles in the hospital And the doctors just kind of got to see that we weren't falling apart, that we were like, you know what? Our daughter's not a statistic because they would always tell us statistics. And we're like, well, if anyone's going to be a part of that, like living statistic or that statistic that you've never seen, then she's going to be that statistic. And um, they kind of just thought that we were like in this blind optimism because the doctors would come in and just make sure they're like, we just want to make sure that you know that this is a bad scenario. And, and, you know, because I think that they thought that we didn't, you know? I shouldn't be laughing, but I just imagine the doctors in the hallway being like, did you tell them? Yeah, I told them. Did you tell them? Yeah, I told them. They didn't look sad. No, they just kept nodding and being like, yeah, we hear you. I feel like they were insane. (laughs) Yeah. And I mean, we would cry a little bit, but I, I just feel like we had... We had some sort of control and peace that they just didn't understand, you know? Yeah. And so by the end of our stay, our two-month stay, we were going home without oxygen. And we were going home without any genetic defects because they ran so many tests when we were there. We were going home with no brain damage. We were going home with, like, her ears had cleared the test. Like, everything, like, she was nursing again. They just, they were just like, okay, well, have fun at home. Like, they they just could they were just like, oh, my gosh. Like, everyone was so, like, this was the miracle. Everyone wanted to come look at Angela because she was just, she was the miracle, you know? And when we would, when we went to our next um, check out of, like, an out-of-office check or an out-of-hospital check with our cardiologist, he was telling everyone, Angela's here, Angela's here. And everyone wanted to see Angela because she was just like, she proved that she was a miracle. Yeah. And, um, and we just kind of felt like this huge peace because we were just like, okay, God saved her. Like we knew from the very beginning, like he saved her to show that, you know, there was this, some, something good could happen, you know? And we didn't know like her, her whole like her whole life purpose, obviously, but, um, but it just kind of proved that our peace was right. Like our peace was coming from God. And so that was such a good feeling to just know that, you know, God had his hand on her because while we do believe like the surgeons helped her and the, um, everybody helped her, you know, live, there's no way that she could have lived on her own for a month. And then also made it through everything when the doctors weren't even sure, you know? So Yeah, that's amazing. So a month later, so we went to a two-week check and then another two-week check, um, if I'm remembering correctly. 
Yeah, I believe so. It was a two-week check and another two-week check. And then at that appointment, they found that her her heart was just beating, like, so fast. And she was breathing really fast. So, um, I mean, not something that you would really notice. Not too, too, too fast that I would notice at home. Yeah. But something that they caught in the echo, like, okay... These readings are just not normal for her age. And this time around, we had our wonderful cardiologist, Dr. Maiman, and he is just so wonderful bedside manner. And he's like, listen, I think, and he had both of us in the room. He made sure both of us were in the room this time. And he's like, listen, I think I want to put you back in the hospital because I think that she is going to need another surgery. And um, this is just something that we were kind of expecting that with the first surgery, we didn't really even know what we were tackling until we got in there. So they fixed everything they could, like the major things and the holes, and they fixed everything that they could see right away. But then it kind of took time to like for her heart to heal, to see other things, you know? Yep. And so this time it's, um, it was pulmonary vein stenosis. And it was rare, of course. It's rare. Yeah. And um, so we're just going to have to, you know, put you back in the hospital. And then we're going to get more doctors looking at you and then giving you kind of more of a, a bigger idea of what's happening. So we're like, okay. And I think in my heart this time, I kind of knew she would have another surgery. Like I knew God had saved her. But the last week or so, I kind of felt like there might have been a little change in her. Because, you know, now I'm watching her like a hawk. Yeah. And so before her appointment, I was like, I think she's going to need another surgery. And I remember telling Leigh all that. And he's like, you're just you're just doing your thing that you do. You oh. prepare yourself for the worst. And um, it's, she's not going to need another surgery kind of thing. But I'm like, no. And I think it's just my mom intuition. You know, all of us yeah. moms listening, we have our mom intuition. We kind of know. Right. So I... I was kind of prepared when he said that there was another surgery. And so we went back into the hospital. And at this point, oh, my gosh, like the pictures of me holding Angela then, I had just had um, oral surgery. And my face looked bruised (laughs) like someone had hit me. Oh, no. And so when the doctors came in, they're like, are you okay? Because they thought I was like a battered wife or something. Yeah. <laughs> and I was like, no, I had oral surgery, and now my face looks like I was beat up. Um, oh, that so sucks. that was special. But yep. um, everything seems to happen all at one time with us. Goodness uh, gracious. Yeah. <laughs> so she was hooked up to oxygen right away. They were just like, you know what? Let's just give her a little break because her lungs aren't like 100%. And she has one week long because it hadn't been working for the first month of her life. Let's hook her up to oxygen, just make her comfortable for the sur- before surgery tomorrow. And so we hooked her up right away, even though it kind of seemed, it always seems kind of weird hooking up a, an awake child because you're just like, well, they're awake and they're eating and they seem kind of fine. Like, why would we hook them up beforehand? But it's just more of like prep for them <clears throat> just in case something happens like overnight. If she codes overnight, she's already hooked up. Yeah. So this time the doctor came in and was like, okay, this is the surgery that we're doing this time. And basically her odds are worse than last time, which kind of seemed weird because we were like, well, she's doing better this time though. Was it just because she already had like such an intense surgery? So like every time you go into surgery, it's like 
scarier. I don't know. No, not because necessarily. They on her heart. I've yeah, all the things, <laughs> I know. You know? Um, not necessarily. They said that because of what it was. So pulmonary gotcha. vein stenosis is really rare. The statistics of you surviving through that surgery, because what they have to do is they have to they have to unhook the lungs from the heart. Oh my word. The surgery itself is just, so, she's so tiny, and the surgery yeah. itself is so intensive. They're just saying, listen, we thought she had a 50-50% chance, which was what they told us, 50-50% chance that she'd survive the first surgery. This surgery, we're going to say she has a 20% chance that she's going to oh make it through surgery. Gosh. And we just need to make sure that you realize that, you know, before we go through. We just kind of were like, okay. And they were like, so are you sure you understand this? And we had the doctor come in again. He's like, we just need to make sure that you understand that she has a 20% chance um, that this surgery, and even if we do, even if she survives the first surgery, she's probably going to need this surgery again a couple more times. And each surgery, it's going to give you the same odds. And he's like, and, and we, since we weren't like belligerent, he just didn't think that we understood. He actually ended up coming in a third time while I was reading my Bible. And he's like, so what are you reading? <laughs> and oh, I'm no. like, oh, I'm reading my Bible. And it gives me a lot of peace because I know that God's in control. That if, yeah. if she's going to survive this surgery, it's not just because of you, but it's because of God. Yeah. And he just didn't even know what to say. <laughs> and he was just like, Okay, well, I think that helps me understand you a little bit better. But, of course, we had the same surgeon from last time, which we really liked him. And um, and he was like, I just need to make sure, like, I just want parents going in knowing so that they, you know, have their moments with their child when they have their moments kind of thing. Yeah. So, well, also, what I'm thinking is, what do they really expect you to say? Because you're supposed to be like, oh, those aren't good odds, so don't do it. You know what I mean? Sure. It's like it has to be done and sure. it's terrible. But what do they yeah. expect you to do? Yeah, like, I don't honestly, know. <laughs> you know? I don't know. And I think I met a lot of moms like on the on the floor. And um, I think a lot of them do become belligerent. Like hysterical? Yes, that would be hysterical. Okay. Hysterical yeah. would probably be a better word. Yeah. Sorry, I'm using belligerent. I could use hysterical. Yeah, so she – like we kind of just – I had, I had my, um, my youth pastor and his wife, I called them my second parents and they actually came to be with us in the hospital during the surgery. And we had a new church that we had been going to and the pastor and his wife and the deacon and his wife came in to sit with us all day because the surgery was going to be all day. And, um, I just remember um, like this is the hardest part for me to communicate. I, because I remember the night before walking past the other rooms on the floor because I had to go to the bathroom and we're all using a shared bathroom down the hall. And I remember walking past a lot of the rooms and then specifically the room next to ours, the daughter was all hooked up. Like she had a, like she had a trach. Oh yeah. I know yeah. what you're talking about. Okay. Yeah. And I remember looking at that child and being like, and not with pity. I mean, um, her mom, her mom had to do so much work. Like I remember watching and listening to her mom and just all the work and all the stress her mom went through. And, um, 
I just, I just remember thinking like, I don't want that for my child. Not that I wouldn't do it as a mom, but like, I don't want that for my child. You know, like I really wanted her to have like a full, full like life without any, like without any tubes. But I knew that that was probably what I should be preparing for is some sort of medical equipment the rest of her life. You know what I'm saying? Just with the odds that they gave us and or that she wasn't even going to survive. Right. So I remember the next day I was sitting with Shelly, my second mom, (laughs) and um, she like I just remember telling her, I said, listen, I just want you to know because we were alone. I was like, I just want you to know what I'm praying for. So you could pray for the same thing. And I said, I don't want to sound selfish and I don't want to sound like I don't care about my daughter. But I'm praying that if she doesn't, if she's not whole, then to not save her. And like, I was super specific with God. Like, I was like, I just... (laughs) want her to live life even if it's just for five years I just want her to live like without machines yeah you know that was just kind of my prayer I was like if she's gonna live like a half-life I just want God to take her now and I'd be okay with it like I'd be fine you know what I'm saying where she'd be yeah yeah exactly like I just I was like I'll have peace knowing that if God takes her now like it was because that like she just wouldn't have that life, like that full life. And I know a lot of moms would think that I was heartless saying that, or like I was selfish because I didn't want, you know, to take care. And here's the thing, like I have a stepbrother, he has Down syndrome. Like I know what it it is taking care of like a special needs kid. And I would do it wholeheartedly. I would do it wholeheartedly, but that's just not what I wanted for Angela. And I just wanted to make sure that my prayers were super specific with God. Like this is what I want. And, um, and, and I usually do that with God too. Like before Lael and I got married, I think I said this in one of the last episodes. Um, but I was super specific with God when I prayed for a husband, super, super specific to the point of, I want him to say this X, Y, Z. And when I met Lael between our first and third date, he said those specific things. Those kind of prayers are the most powerful though like when you can just be bold enough to like ask god exactly what you want because obviously he can still always say no but what if he doesn't and if you're not so timid to feel like you're like you're allowed to ask god for exactly what you want and i don't think that's selfish at all you know i agree i am yeah so just in just in my history and like having him answer specific prayer and like to the letter I was like I'm gonna do this with Angela this is what I'm doing and then after I had my good cry and my good like this is what I'm praying for that's what I continued praying for and Shelly was praying for it and Shelly was like you know what Alexa and it was it was like I I don't know if she did it trying to remember back if it was like automatically it might have been 10 minutes later after I was talking, but she she just started crying and she was just like, you know what, Alexa? Like, I just had this really vivid picture of 
Angela at five and like just beautiful running around fine I, I just yeah. got that picture in my brain just all of a sudden wow. and I was like okay because that's what we're praying for and so we didn't get phone calls this time around and we kept asking we were like last time we would get a phone call like every hour we were like oh my gosh like that's what's scary. going on yeah you know so it was nine hours it was a nine hour surgery I think we got one phone call like in the middle wow and finally they just said you know what we're preparing to bring her up I think that that's all they told us they said the doctor will come speak with you soon and we were like well, what does that mean yeah it's very vague yeah it's super super vague and the doctor came in, of course, like, he wasn't giving away any, anything in his face. We were just like, oh, no. So he's like, can we talk, can I talk to you guys alone? So he wanted to take Lael and I alone into a room. And we were like, oh, no. Oh, you yeah, know, like. so, I would already be sobbing on the floor. Yeah. I was <laughs> like, oh, no. If it's, like, alone, like, obviously it's not good news. Right? Yeah. Yeah. And so, mind you. I had just talked to this surgeon the day before that I was praying for her to, you know, to just, um, to just survive this. Yeah. Yeah. To be made whole, to like survive the whole thing, to just be strong, to like, and that God was going to make this happen. If he wanted it to happen, God was going to do this thing. Right. So I had just talked to the surgeon the day before. So, um, we went into this room and he just started tearing up and we were like, Oh no, like, this is it, right? Yikes, yeah. And he just started smiling. Like, I can't even explain to you the smile that he had. And my heart was just so confused, you know? Yeah. And then he just, he said, I don't, I can't, I don't even know what to say. He said, the whole surgery, she was like, she was like a rock. She was just like, she didn't. She didn't make me question that she was going to make it through the whole time. Wow. He said the whole time she was like her, her stats were just so good. She was like, he was like, she made it through surgery and I actually expect that she's going to survive. Wow. Like all the statistics out the window, he was just like, and I just remember him saying that she was like a rock because I remember just praying for her to just you know, be so strong and that there would be no interventions through surgery, you know, Um, because once interventions are put in, then there could be like more stuff that she would have to endure later in life or having, you know, oxygen machines, all that. Anyway, so I just remember and he was just smiling like and he couldn't even understand, you know, he couldn't even understand it. And he was just so happy, you know. Wow. And um, I was like, yeah. And so I just remember looking at him and being like, yes, I know. You know? Yeah. Wow. Because if God was going to have her survive, then he was going to have her survive. You know? And you never collapsed on the floor once. No. <laughs> no. I don't understand that. <laughs> oh, my. You no. Know, wow. I mean, how? I don't know. I don't. Yeah. I don't know. Oh, so gracious. Wow. We were able to see her, and she never coded this time. Like, last wow. time after surgery, she was really weak. I think, you know, her whole body was getting used to two parts of her heart, two parts of her lungs. 
This time around, it was a lot faster, like her healing process. There was a couple times that, um, like, it was just so sad in the hospital. Like, um, her, so, I I don't know. Like, so her lungs filled up with fluid one day, and so they had to go in and, and clear out her lungs, and she was, like, super miserable. But, again, they kind of just expected her to, to get through that. You know, it was just like a smoother course and it was only a month in the hospital this time. And like no one could believe it. It was like only a month in the hospital, you know, after this one. So um, it was really great. And we got to go home and after that month and basically we would go back to the cardiologist and they're like, listen, we just need to make sure that you're aware that, you know, if she makes it until five without another needing another surgery, then she might be good because then that means that the pulmonary vein stenosis was just from birth and it wasn't like a genetic disease. So if you have wow. pulmonary vein stenosis, most people with pul- pulmonary vein stenosis has to have to continually get that operated on because yeah. their veins don't grow with them. But they said, but knowing Angela we're assuming that it's just from birth and now that those veins are open they'll stay open and they'll continue growing with her wow so um so yeah so that's kind of where we're at she's five now and um she hasn't had had to need any other surgeries sometimes her echoes aren't perfect um sometimes she carries a lot of extra water in her lungs and they they've just diagnosed her with asthma like a couple years ago so she's on the proper medication now um and so she doesn't cough as much as she used to her lungs aren't as wet um and now that we've controlled that she doesn't need to be hospitalized when she's sick because before she would have to be hospitalized um the last big big checkup that we had was uh i want to say it was a year and a half ago um, she had a catheter done just because sometimes the echoes don't show everything. And so they did, they had an echo that wasn't a hundred percent and they said, you know what? We'd just feel comfortable if we got a catheter cause we haven't gotten a catheter done for her in a long, long time. Yeah. So we okayed it cause it had been, I think it was like two years or something that, you know, she hadn't had a catheter. So they went, and so this was a different hospital too. Um, this was at Duke. So we had all of our surgeries at um, Sunrise Children's Hospital in Vegas. And we had moved to Duke Hospital after since we got stationed on the East Coast. So then we were having all her care at, at Duke. So this was a new doctor. He would feel comfortable if we eventually got a catheter done. And then um, so we got a catheter done. It lasted for, like, longer than we kind of expected, and we were like, what's going on? Like, maybe they found something, you know? Yeah. And so we sat down with the doctor afterwards that did the catheter, and he just said, you know, I'm new to her case, but um, I'm going to be honest. Like, I wouldn't have even known that she had the surgeries that you said she had unless you told me, and it was on her paperwork, um, he said, you, like, things look, like, I don't even see scar tissue. Wow. And we were like, is that normal? And he's like, that's not, that's not something I see. (laughs) 
I keep looking at the paperwork. Her, all her levels look great. I just, I can't even see anything. <laughs> and so we're, we were just kind of like reassured she was a miracle. I and mean, we just kind of told him that too. We were like, she's just a miracle. Like her whole story is just a miracle. We don't know how she survived everything except that God, you know, has done all this and he's healed her. And um, he's like, well, I'll agree that, that she's a miracle, you know? So, <laughs> yeah. But, it, no, I mean, just her whole story, it just feels so good. And, and I just, I remind people that it's not that we think that God is going to have her live, like, this full, full, like, normal life. Like, we, we don't even know when we're going to die, you know? Like, each of us, we don't know. Like, my mom died at 34, from an asthma attack. So, like, we really don't know when we're going to die. Yeah. It could happen anytime for any reason. And, um, but I am just thankful with the moments that God gave me with Angela and that he made them whole moments. I mean, she's five now, and that's kind of what um, Shelly had envisioned, like, her at five and full of life, you know? Yeah. And um, each checkup, I mean, I do suffer a little bit from anxiety before appointments it because of just the unknown and I'm a sinful person you know and that's so. and also that's to be expected yeah and and I think too it, it kind of wore on me because I was always the one going into the appointments and Lael yeah. would watch Eric or Ty and Tyler you know gotcha yeah and so I finally was just in, admitting to Lael I was like I can't do it every single time like you have to switch back and forth with me because I it's such just a weight on my heart to, to do it alone and to just do it every single time. I can't yeah. do it, especially if I'm holding her down. Like holding down your child for long periods of time um, for echoes and um, for other treatments, it's just Horrifying. heartbreaking. Yeah, yeah. And I'm like, I can't do this. I go to every single appointment. I can't do it anymore. My heart can't do it anymore. That's why I have wrinkles and gray hair, everybody. So if you ever see me online... <laughs> It's Alexa, like all of them are from Angela. You look wonderful. <laughs> but and um, I know this isn't the same, like in any way. <laughs> but when Roland hurt his finger and he had to go get stitches, yeah. Um, Luke went in with him because we knew if he had stitches, we'd probably have to hold him to yes. get stitches. Yep. And I just like I knew if I had to do it, I could. But I knew I wouldn't be able to handle it that that well, like compared right. to Luke, right? Because it's a, a mom versus a dad. Like if you're a mom, you know, you know. Yeah. And uh, even how torn up Luke was after that, and Luke's a pretty level person. He doesn't get like he's very level, very level, at, yeah. just in all situations. So I just can't even imagine. Um, you know, being the mom and having to do that because you know you're doing it for a good reason, but she's young, she doesn't understand, and that's just horrible. Yeah, <laughs> hor- I know it's for yeah. a good re- like I said, it's for a good reason. It's to make sure she's healthy and and safe. But yeah, I think that's good that you guys um, take turns and that you were able to be like, hey, this is very hard for me and I need help. And I think that's good that you were able to vocalize that. So yeah, exactly. No, and exactly, and I think every mom, like, I think moms talk to me, and they're like, oh, well, I don't know 
what you're going through. So I, I can't speak to my experience. I think, um, or, or there's other moms that are like, well, I endure so much more. And I, I'm kind of in the, I'm kind of in this place where I'm like, let's not compare because the moments that you have gone through, like with Roland, even like holding, like what Luke went through, like holding him down and all that, like the, those are tragic, tragic moments. Like they're just heartbreaking. And, um, and you understand the feeling that I went through. I mean, granted, I went through it more, like more times, (laughs) but I still feel like I never like look at someone and be like, I discredit their experience because, oh, well, my experience is worse. Like, that's not, that's not the game I play. I know you would never um, think of it that way. I know you wouldn't, but I I know, but I just wanted to say that on the podcast too, because I feel like there should be no instance where a mom ever discredits another mom's feelings because just because, well, because there's always going to be someone that has a harder experience, but that doesn't disvalue my experience and the feelings that I had and how hard it was for me, you know, yeah, and how hard it is for you if you go through um, uh, an issue, you know? So, yeah, definitely. But also like I just knowing you and knowing a lot of your past experiences and things you've um, dealt with, I just want, I just feel like God, I don't know, because people always say, like, God gives you what you can handle, and I don't agree with that. I think God gives you more than you can handle, so you have no choice but to lean on him. Yes. And I just think, like, okay, this is something Alexa went through, and you're talking about it, and I'm crying while you're just talking about a story of it, not having experienced it. And I just think, like, how I would handle it, and I know how you did handle it, and I just don't know that I could have made it out of that alive. <laughs> and I sure. just know you now. Like, I, when I met you and we became friends, obviously I didn't know any of this right away. I knew, like, bare details. Like, oh, Angela has this, you know, and she's had surgery, right? Um But I just knew you as a person and I never would have ever thought like, Alexa has been through extremes and amounts of trauma (laughs) and look how like functioning of a human she is. So, um, yeah, yeah, it's just one of those things where I just feel like God to, you can tell God's worked through you in those situations because you still are standing. (laughs) Yeah. I guess, you know. Well, that's what people say. It's like, they don't, um, I feel like people that don't know me kind of just think, Maybe I'm ditzy. Maybe I'm just, like, optimistic because nothing bad has happened in my life. Um, And those people aren't worth talking to. The people that are actually my friends and find out things about me know that I have been through a lot. But like you said, like, God sustains me through these things. And I continue seeing it, too. I mean, I know this isn't the episode, but when my brother passed, um, you just see this witness of... You see this witness of, like, God's strength through people. Like, if you ask for his strength, um, like, my brother was, when he was dying of cancer, um, he was praying. He was witnessing. He had so many people in, like, on, like, near his bed just witnessing to them, encouraging them, praying with them. And I saw that and I thought, I wouldn't be able to do that if I was in so much pain. You know, yeah. 
But you see that witness and you go, well, I know. And that's what I pray pray to God for is just that strength. Like when I'm in that moment, I know you're going to sustain me and you're going to give me strength. Yeah. And um, he puts people in my life that show me like how much strength he can give them, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And it's cool to see that through my life, but also through like other others in my life too. Um, yeah, just the strength that, and, and just the peace, you know, like, yeah, we don't have to like, yes, I can cry about it. And yes, you know, sometimes I have anxiety or whatever, but I don't completely fall apart because God's holding me apart. Right. I mean, together, God's holding me together. So (laughs) if it wasn't for God, I would, I would just be a puddle on the floor. So, yeah, I think that's just like the best, like test testimony, like of God's strength that he can give you like his presence to bring you peace and sustain you through making hard decisions for your child and my favorite part of that story every time is when like she got her most recent echo or not echo her catheter her heart catheter and they're like she has like no scarring and that to me is just like god removed the scars god healed her heart after that surgery and made her whole again i met angela when she was, I don't even know, three, four-ish? Yeah, I think Give three. Yeah. Yeah. But I only knew Angela as, like, a running little girl in dresses and a lot of the time cowgirl boots. Yeah. But <laughs> yeah. just just running and playing with the her big brother, or, well, her big brother and her younger brother. And just, uh, you know, I never would look at Angela. I never would have looked at Angela and been like, I know Angela's been through a lot. You know, yeah. and I just think God made her whole and he, he did what you asked. And I just think that's the best. That's yeah. just like the best part ever. It's such a, it's a, every time I hear you tell the story, I'm, I have chills. Yeah. Me too. It's amazing. Me too. It will never get old, you know? Yeah. So it's a beautiful story. And I think that it's just so like, it's a, it's a specific thing that you would have gone through, but there are other moms who go through it. Yes. So I think it's a cool way to just like share and help them feel seen and understood with what they've gone through. And I'm sure everybody processes something like that much differently and responds differently. But, um, I just think it's cool to show the depiction of what God can do in any situation at all, you know? Yeah. Well, and I don't know, I don't know if we want to add this, but I had a mom, like after I had, um, after I had shared Angela's story at a, at my church once, I had a mom talk to me about, cause she had some issues with her, her child. And she was like, you know, I, I'm having a hard time because I don't know why God didn't make my child whole, you know? And, um... And all I could really say, because, like, I don't know, because I know some moms will listen to this and be like, well, my child isn't whole. You know, like, why did God choose your child to make whole and not my child? And um, I I think what I say to that is just he doesn't he he doesn't make everyone whole because everyone has their own journey to go through and you have your own journey to go through as well. Like not everyone, not all my prayers have been answered. Um, the way that I want them to be answered, like the other people in my life that meant so much to me, um, they didn't have to die, but they died at a very young age 
They didn't have to. So he's not always going to answer your prayers and he's not always going to. But our job, like as Christians, is to make sure that we're being thankful in everything and that we're seeing, like we're trying to search for the purpose of our journey and our life. Um, Because if you're asking for that, he's going to reveal it to you. And he's revealed it so many different times, even though certain prayers aren't answered, he reveals at some point why they weren't answered. So I think that that's just good to realize. It's like step back from your situation. Not everyone's going to, you know, you're not, your prayers aren't going to be answered exactly how you want them to be every single time. Um, I'm thankful that they were in this situation. But if they were not, I would still be here praying to God and being thankful for the things that he gave me and didn't give yeah. me, you know, so. Yes, definitely, definitely. And I think that's um, a tricky situation too, just in general, because it's easy for someone to say that to you when they um, <laughs> don't know of any of the other parts of your story. Sure. Uh, because I was think because I do, I was thinking like, I forgot that Angela was named after your mom. And um, so I just love that so much because... Sometimes God takes away, but he also gives and made your daughter whole, who's named Angela, like your mother's namesake. And I just think that's just a beautiful depiction of his love for you, you know, specifically. So um, I understand that, you know, if someone didn't have a similar experience to you with their um, heart child, it would be hard to hear the story of, you know, your child being made whole and theirs wasn't. But I also think, like you said, everyone's journey is different and the plans God has for each person's life is very different. And I don't think it is fair to ever make it like a comparison game or even to like hold it against you that your prayers were answered. Um, That's a really hard place to be put in. Well, and I don't agree. Like, um, I know like the prosperity gospel is like super big right now and they believe in like faith healing. So like they could say, well, my faith was bigger than your faith. And I do not believe that to be true. So anyone yeah. that's listening to this, I do not believe that that's, that's true, that my faith is bigger. And so that's why my my prayers were answered and yours weren't. Um, or my kid was healed and yours wasn't, you know. Um, I don't believe that, that that to be true. So Yeah, I don't believe that either. No. But yeah, good thing to point out because, you know, that... I I really do believe that certain prayers are just not answered because there's more to it. There's a bigger purpose and it has nothing to do with you and what you're doing. So yeah. Yeah. God's plan is much different than ours. And I like to always think about um, like John the Baptist because John the Baptist was obviously a pretty big deal, but he wore like weird clothes made out of animals and he ate bugs yeah. So also he had his head cut off and he did wonderful things for the Lord in compared to a lot of other people in the Bible, but he ate bugs. Yeah. So it's just like, yeah, you know, it's, you can't compare apples to pears. You just can't. So yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah, that was such a beautiful and intense story. And I love it every time you share it. And thank you for being willing to share it. And I'm sure it's hard every time you share it. It's probably a, another, just a whole uh, range of emotions that it brings back. But I think it's going to be really special for our listeners to hear and uh, hopefully 
understand the miracle that Angela is, which is just like the best, the best ever. So yeah. Well, and this is Angela. the first episode of the year. I'm pretty sure. Is it? Okay. So we're starting off the year with a miracle. So yeah, I love that. <laughs> so anyway, a great start for 2021. Wow. Mm-hmm. All right, guys. Well, thank you so much for tuning in. We hope this story was just a depiction of god's capabilities and his love for us and we hope it brought you some joy and now you're going to want to go stalk alexa's instagram and look look (laughs) at pictures of angela because you're going to be like i never would have thought in a million years so yeah we love angela we love you angela if you ever listen to this and your mom your family is amazing they love you so much and you are a miracle so we will talk to you next time guys hey are you guys still there Don't click out just yet. Alexa and I wanted to share a little bit about a company that we work with and that we love so much. We wanted to share because we know that once you try these products, you're going to fall in love too. We use their products in our homes as replacements for everything from traditional toxic cleaning products to personal care items. We are talking about Young Living. And if you follow us on our personal Instagram pages, you've heard us rave all about Young Living products before, but we can't stop won't stop. Young Living's motto is seed to seal. We know and trust where our products are sourced, what science goes into producing them, and what standards the final products are held to. They're the only oily company with this promise and with a major focus on sustainably producing quality products. We love knowing that all of our cleaning products, supplements, and scents in our home are safe, not only for us, but especially for our kids. If you ever have any questions regarding Young Living products, please reach out to us. This stuff is our jam. If you were wondering how to buy products, make sure you follow the link in our Instagram profile or email us directly. We would love for you to be part of our team and we look forward to sharing all the knowledge we have gained over the many, many years of being part of the Young Living fam. Shameless plug over. Now head on over to the link in our Instagram profile to learn more about Young Living and to see what we're talking about. Let's ditch and switch those harmful products in our home and get you started on your non-toxic journey ASAP. Boom. Thanks for listening. You can contact us at momsoutloudpodcast at gmail.com with questions, topic ideas, and collaborations. You can follow us on Instagram and Facebook at Moms Out Loud. And don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe.